Uh, today, this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And before I get started, I want to go ahead and just read the chapter for you guys uh, so that you guys know uh, what is taking place within this passage. I'm going to start in verse 1, of course, verses 1 to 14, Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, verse 5, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were dark, you were darkness. But now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of what, of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. I want to um, ask you guys, there's, there's actually, um, there's a question coming along the way. Um, one of my favorite uh, YouTube channels to watch is a YouTube channel called Vice. And for some of you guys, you guys know about this YouTube channel. It's actually quite controversial, especially if you're politically opinionated. You can watch it and you find discussion points all over the place. But one thing I really like about this uh, documentary channel is that they get to the front lines of certain things that happen in the United States. that You hear stories that you don't get to normally hear about on regular TV. And so, you know, if it's, you know, the battle between Ukraine and Russia, they're there. If there's things going on in Charlottesville, they're there. And so there's this one documentary episode that I was watching, and it was the city that is the number one producer of counterfeit currency particularly for the U.S. dollar. And some of you guys may know what city this is. Does any of you guys have an idea of what city is the number one counterfeiter of fake currency? They're the best. And it's actually found in Lima, Peru. In Lima, Peru, it's actually quite expensive to buy fake currency 
because they do such a good job at faking it. And so it got me thinking during the documentary as they were explaining how this currency is made. How does an average business owner in Lima tell whether or not the money they're given is actually real or not because they use the U.S. dollar in Lima? And so... One thing is wondering, you know, do you have to keep track of all the technology? Do you have to think about all the mistakes that counterfeiters make? Do you have to go on the posts and read up on all your information? And actually, a shop owner was very blunt. He says, you know what? What I do is I take the original article. I take a, a note, a real dollar that is authentic and genuine. And then I take what I suspect to be counterfeits. And I put the two dollars side by side. And when I put those two dollars side by side, I am able to tell what is true and what is fake. Brothers and sisters, when you look at Ephesians chapter 5, the challenge that I want to give to you guys is as you read this passage, don't be tempted as I have been tempted to make this a checklist of what you want to do tomorrow. Rather, look at this passage and ask yourself last week, are you true? Are you authentic? Are you someone who is a child of God? Are you someone who wants to be like God, is trying to be like God? Are you someone who is walking in love and walking in light in the way that you've lived your life? In some ways, if you look at verse 14, it's that wake-up call that Paul is giving in verse 14. Wake up, O sleeper. Let this be your reality check if you were to be found genuine. If you were to ask me what is the main point of Ephesians chapter 5, I would look at verse 1. And the first thing that Paul says, therefore, be imitators of Christ. This word imitators is to be a mimic, to be an actor who takes a character and wants to be everything like them. So the question is, last week, are you an imitator of God? Are you seeking to be like him in every area of your life? Because there's a lot of things that Paul goes into that describes Someone who is genuinely like God in the way they live their life. And let this be a time where you open up your heart and maybe you have to honestly say, maybe I'm not like God in the way I live my life. Maybe those desires are not found inside of me. Maybe those attributes are not there. And this is a wake-up call for some of you here today. A test, so to speak, of authenticity. So there are actually two things that Paul says that you can find in people who are truly imitators of God. The first thing that he gives is actually in verse 2. They are people who walk in love. And there's a couple of signs that he gives that you are truly walking in love. And then he goes on to say that they are people in verse 8 who are children of light. They're walking in the light. And so we're going to go into these descriptions and what is it that Paul gives us as a certificate of authenticity. The first attribute that we want to highlight is, are you walking in love? And this is the kind of love 
that God has shown us because he is love. I found this verse, of course, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So the question I want to pose to you is, how do I know if I am walking in love as verse 2 commands? And the first sign, first of three signs, that I am walking in love is that Christ is my example. You see this at the very beginning of verse 2. It says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I love this idea of love. Love in this case is the agape love. And as we were talking about it yesterday, love is the kind of thing that we show for others, where we seek after the greatest good in others, regardless of their response, regardless of their worthiness. We seek after doing the best for others, even in this verse, Romans 5.8. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the kind of love that is our example in the way that we treat others, seeking out the greatest good for others, regardless of their worthiness. And this is how Jesus has treated us. In that while we were rebellious, while we were still fighting against him, he goes out of his way to die for you for the greatest good that he knows that you need. And when you know that he loves you, and when you know that you belong to him, the loyalty that comes with that, the way you want to live changes with that. So the question that I want to ask you last week, were you making Christ your focus? Was Christ your example last week? The second sign that we are walking in love that Paul gives is quite detailed and actually quite dark. Verse 3, and it's, by the way, before we get into verse 3, People who walk in love do not continuously do the things that displease him. If you know that he loves you and you know you're his child, would you really do the things that you know grieves his heart? Verse three, it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. There's quite a few things here, but if you look at the very beginning of verse 3, it's the sexually immoral. This is where we get the idea, the name, uh, the Greek word porneia, where we get the idea of pornography from. But what Paul is speaking of in sexual immorality is more so your interaction with somebody else, your relationships with other people. In other words, is your relationships with other people sound? Or are you known for the type of perversity, adultery, even, even pedophilia that ends up becoming the very things that God grieves at when he looks at it. 
Is your interactions with others the wholesome type of love that God wants to see between a man and a woman in marriage? And is are there relationships in your life that fall outside of those boundaries of what God intended to be the best demonstration of his love? But then it goes beyond that. He says impurity. So it's anything else that doesn't reside within that relationship problem. It's the stuff that you do at home that no one knows about. It's the pornography that's on the internet. It's the sexual immorality in your life. It's the secrets that you don't want to talk about. And then he goes on to say those that are covetousness or those that are greedy. Are you known last week to be so selfishly motivated at the expense of others? Or are you known to be someone who's generous and selfless with your money and your time? Or are you holding it for yourself while other people suffer? While the first couple of descriptions in verse 3 deal with somebody's conduct, in verse 4, it starts to deal with your speech. And I think this is really applicable, especially for youth ministry. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk. No crude joking, which is out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. I think Calvin's mom knows how much I stress out about this particular point, especially when it comes to teenagers. I, I, I understand there's a, there's a major disagreement and controversy about this, but I am really not a big fan of memes. I'm sorry. If you guys know what a meme is, it's usually a joke based on insider information because you've spent too much time on Reddit. And so sometimes when you drop memes, you're basically, this is my opinion, okay, you, it's not biblical because there's no memes in the, well, I hope there's no memes in the Bible. It's this idea that you guys are using inside information to crack a joke that is sometimes tailored to exclude other people who don't watch that blog post. It's like, it's like you're saying things as a joke because you intentionally want that inside information. You segregate people that don't understand what you understand from the internet. But I think it goes even farther than that. It says crude joking. And I see this a lot. When you're with a group and you want to be, uh, uh, you want to have a good time, you want to have a good laugh, you want to have a good moment. And so you want to crack a joke at the expense of someone else. You cut someone down so that you can look good. Or you say things that make someone else in that circle feel embarrassed. Are you known for that last week? Are you known to say things that are not pure in your speech? And then Paul in verse 5 turns it up a notch. For you may be absolutely sure. I told you I don't hold back. That everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous and greedy, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Make no mistake, if you delight continuously in what displeases God, you are not going to heaven. 
you are not a child of God. And if that was true last week, then you have had your answer today. This is a wake-up call for me because I looked at verse 5 and I was so tempted to water it down. But it is what it is. And Paul says in verse 5, you must be absolutely sure of this, that this must not be named among you. The second sign that you are walking in love is that you refuse to be taken away and deceived. You refuse to leave the path. It says so in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. You know, there are many people that will say, it's not that bad. Sin, it's not that bad. Looking on the internet to pornography is not that bad. I mean, you got a natural desire and, and you're not harming anyone and you're doing it on your own on the internet. Don't be deceived. You know it's bad. You can't shake the guilt. I know. You look at these things and you know deep down it's breaking you up inside. Let no one deceive you on how bad it is. And then on top of that, to know there's a God who loves you. And that you're the one that grieves him. When you go back to these things over and over and over again. And there may be people around you. I remember when I was in school. People around me were like, you know what? It's not that bad. It's okay. Everyone does it. It's absolutely natural. No, it's not. And I was tearing myself up inside. When I was thinking to myself, why am I struggling with this so badly? How could I do this to God? Let no one deceive you. God knows. He loves you. Verse 8. We walk in the light, and when we walk in the light, He is in the light. This verse from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from Him, and we proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. For at one time, verse 8, you were of the darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. So now walk as children of light. What are the signs 
that last week I am walking in the light. The first thing that I think shows up that I am truly walking in the light is that deep down inside I want to learn about what pleases him. I want to grow in my faith. I want to take it to the next level. I want to read his word and be able to gather all that is good, all that is right, and all that it is true. Look at verse 9. For the fruit of now, I'm sorry, of the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. This is a beautiful demonstration of who God is as light. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is not the absence of darkness. The only reason there is light in your life is because God is in your life. The only reason you can show the world who God is is because God's light is shining through you. The fact that there is something that is good, the fact that there's something that's righteous, the fact that there's something that is true is because God is shining through all these things. And so the question I want to ask you about last week, are you someone that seeks after to learn what pleases God? What makes him happy? What what delights him in the things that you do and the things that you say? For when these things get cultivated, these attributes begin to shine because that is who you are as a child of God in the likeness of him. The second sign that you are walking in the light is that you are constantly destroying, deleting, removing the things that displease him that you know is in your life. And so he says, verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of the darkness but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper. Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. You know, I I share about these things and there's certain things that Paul emphasizes over and over again. And in these couple of verses, he's dealing with this idea of lust and greed. And he's holding these two things appropriately so because these are vices that a lot of people struggle with in their life. But then what he's saying here is that if you've seen these things inside of you and you know these things are in the secret and you know these things, if they were to come out, it would be shameful. You wouldn't want to speak of it to somebody around you. You wouldn't want them to know that you struggled with this, that or the other. Then what Paul is saying, bring them out and destroy them expose them today is your day my friend to tell God if there is something in your life that you know does not belong 
Today is the day where you look at what you are doing last week and you're not proud of, and now you are going to confess them to God and find help. I want to stress this to you because I was praying about this a lot, about sharing with my own struggles. When I was in high school and college, I struggled with sexual immorality on the Internet. And it wasn't until I went and told my parents. It wasn't until I went and told my mentor and my um, a discipler. That is when I started finding victory. That is when I started finding change in my life. That is when I started to expose the secret things that I didn't want anybody to know about. That is when sunlight becomes the greatest disinfectant of the things that you don't want to talk about. And brothers and sisters, I am here to you to tell you today, I know those secret sins exist. Reading articles, reading surveys, reading what people are struggling with, reading about people that are actually comfortable enough to talk about it. There are a lot of things that go on in our lives that we don't want anybody to know about. But then when you find out about it, do you confess them to God? Do you let him know, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm dealing with. Can I find help? And I am here to tell you today, we are here to help you. As pastors, Pastor Dean, myself, Pastor Jim, those people that you saw that are encouraged to do the Stevens ministry, we are here to help you with these things. You do not have to keep them in the secret. You do not have to let them destroy you. We are here to help you. Because we have gone through the same things you have gone through. You might be here today in application and you look at these things that is described in chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And you look at these lists of what it means to be walking in love on Paul's description and what it means to be walking in light in Paul's description. And you see these five things and you say to yourself, honestly, last week I've done none of them. This isn't true. Honestly speaking, do you actually make Christ your example throughout the week? Do you continuously do intentionally what displeases him? Are you someone who is easily led astray by false teaching? Are you someone who is looking to learn about what pleases God and develop those areas in your life? And are you, of course, able to expose and eliminate the things that you know don't belong? If this is not something you do, let this be a wake-up call that you are not a child of God. And this is your time to hear that God has died specifically for you. That if you believe that he died on that cross and that you were on his mind on that cross 2,000 years ago and that he didn't just die, but he came back to life again for you, you are saved. It is chance now today to live life his way with his help. This is the gospel for people who know that they need it.
who know that they are not like God, who know that they are not a child of God. You might have been in this church for many, many years. You might have gone to Sunday school after Sunday school after... You might have even served as a leader. But you're looking at this list and looking at your last week and honestly speaking, your life is not following God. I want to encourage you here today to hear God's call that he loves you. He died for you. While you were still rebellious against him, he gave up his son for you 2,000 years ago. He wants you to rise from the dead and wake up. There might be some of you here today that look, especially at verse 5, especially at verse 11 and 12 and 13, and you say to yourself, like I've said to myself, man, there's a lot of things in my life that I'm not proud of. There are a lot of things that I struggle with that I don't even want to talk about. I'm not going to tell my friend about this. I don't want anybody to know what I'm struggling with. And God is saying, look, it's time for you to put those things to death. It's time to not just expose it, confess it. It's time for you to find help. And I want to encourage you guys, if you're looking for someone to help you with these things, we're here for you. As a pastoral staff, as staff of volunteers, we're here for you. And if we don't know how to help you, we're going to try to find someone who can help you. But it takes you to come out and say, I need to work on this. I love the way that Paul Washer, one of my favorite preachers, deals with things like this. Some of you guys know Paul Washer. You know, sometimes we think that as a Christian, on Judgment Day, God's going to put a little photo up of our worst moment of our lives. And he's going to take that little photo and of your worst moment, he's going to point to it and he's going to say, that's why you're not a Christian. That's why you're not saved. That's why you're going to hell. Look at that little photo. But what really is going to happen, I think, is that they're going to show a movie. And they're going to show a movie to all your friends and to all your family and to everyone that's been around you. And then they're going to look at the movie and they're going to say, does that look like someone who's following after Jesus? Does that movie show someone in sin and in repentance? Does that movie show someone who's waging war with their sin? Does that movie show someone who is definitely penitent and confessing their sins to God? And when he sees your struggle and when he knows what you're going through, he will meet you where you are at with the people who can help. I can testify to that. Some of you might be here today and you might be saying, well, you know what? I'm already a child of God. I already have discipleship. I already have accountability. But now it's time to grow. It's time for you to take that verse where it says you learn 
what it is that pleases God. And you take what you're doing in your discipleship. You take what you're doing in your time with the word. And now you are practicing these things. And you are putting them into work. So that people around you who don't know who God is. Can come to understand who God is by the content of your character. And they will learn what goodness is. And they will learn what righteousness is. They will learn what truth is. Because they may never read the Bible, but they get to know who you are. And for many in this world, that is the closest they will come to learning about who God is, is through your life. And so, brothers and sisters, let me tell you today from my own personal experience, this is a wake-up call even for me to be able to tell you this is what we're here for as a family. We want you to be like God. But you can't do it on, on your own. You're part of this family. And we want to help you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much, God. Because this passage really took the wind out of me. It's so heavy. It's so dark. It is so complicated. But Lord, at the end of the day, you are good. And you are loving. Lord, I ask and I pray right now that if there's anyone in this room who knows they are not a child of God today, Lord, that they would give their lives to follow you. Not based on the fact that they're good enough or they've done everything right in their lives, but that they trust that the greatest demonstration of love for their lives was shown to them 2,000 years ago when your son died for them on a cross. And when we know that you've done that for us, we can live and let that love be shown like light to those around us. If there are people here today, God, that are struggling with secret sins, Sexual sin is something that is so close to the way we struggle with. Lord, I ask and I pray that we would go for help, that we would talk to someone about this, that we would tell people about this, but most importantly of all, that we would confess it to you and turn and repent. Lord, if I have a new relationship with Jesus, I have a new relationship with sin. And may we be found at war with what displeases you. Thank you, God, for this time and this morning. I pray that this invitation would be heeded. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.